everything is uh, is good here in Geneva. So you're in Geneva. The last time we spoke, you were the chief information officer for the city of San Francisco, and so so you've traveled quite a bit since then. Yeah, yeah, I did. Quite frankly, uh, if you talk about difficult choices in in, in a career. Uh, Leaving San Francisco is probably one of the toughest thing uh, I've had to do so far because that was uh, it was heaven. I liked the job, I liked the city, I liked the, the teams. It was great, but uh, there was something compelling in the in the call from uh, from the UN uh, specialized agency uh, that the World Health Organization is. Uh, well, I'm sure we get into that. Yes. So so tell us about the World Health Organization and. What was compelling about that phone call that took you away from from being CIO for the city of San Francisco to to make the move to Geneva? Sure. Well, if you remember, I, well, I, I got the call uh, a little bit before mid 2014, and uh, I, I was um, I was pursuing the, uh, the the natural goals set uh, for for the city uh, and county of San Francisco. I, I was not. I was not done we were doing well but i was not done but if you remember there was 2014 and it was the year where uh, ebola took uh, everybody by surprise and um so that that was a a main driver uh, and in the same way of uh, you know the some of the arguments that the uh, the headhunter used when when he told me that i would take the uh, the job at san francisco uh, because it, some of what had to be done had not been done before or were considered, you know, not doable. And uh, I think we, we established that that was not necessarily true. Uh, it's possible. Um, same thing here. Uh, we, uh, the, the world was facing a, uh, a pretty serious uh, crisis uh, in, the, in the form of the Ebola crisis. And it was an opportunity to... Uh, uh, to demonstrate that uh, oh, all hands on deck means uh, uh, the, the CIO and all the uh, IT uh, soldiers um, at work to help uh, protect population, save lives, and, and avoid uh, uh, something completely out of control. So tell us about the background of the World Health Organization, just so we have context, and then we'll, we'll talk about the infrastructure and we'll talk about IT and the role of technology in fulfilling your mission. Sure. Uh, you, you know, when you ask somebody, okay, who do you work for, what do you do, uh, it, it's usually a rather easy uh, answer. Um, it is not so natural when, when you ask people, okay, so I work, I work uh, for the UN. Well, th there's the UN system. What, what is that? And then, um, so what is, what is the mandate of the UN? And then within the UN system, you have a specialized agency called the World Health Organization, WHO. So the UN strives, uh, I'm going to make a very long story short, uh, the UN works towards making a better world. And we'll talk about how the UN goes about making this more uh, achievable. You know, chunk it in in chunk, in manageable chunks. And those are the uh, sustainable development goals. There are 17 of them. And within those 17 goals, uh, goal three of the sustainable development goal is um, is health. 
uh, ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all people of all ages everywhere. So the World Health Organization um, was uh, was created um, to uh, to ensure healthy lives for all populations everywhere at all ages. So the, our governance, our financing, I'll tell you a few words about that. We, we, have, a, we have 194 member states, countries. Uh, we've got our, our global headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. So, uh, so from my office to the left, you've got the, 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 the Jura, the Jura mountain, and then on the other side, you've got the, the lake and the, and the Alps. So good, um, good site. Uh, we've got six regional offices and uh, more than 150 country offices. And, and then I'll tell you that the way we are uh, financed, 30% is through um, member states with uh, assessed contribution, 30%, and 70% is uh, VCs, voluntary contributions. And uh, I'll take the opportunity to mention that uh, our number one donor here is the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and uh, thank God for them because they are extremely active in the in, in the field of uh, making a better world. That's really interesting. So the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is your number one donor. Now you're the CIO at the World Health Organization, and so what does that role mean? What does that involve? Well, that involves uh, putting all our energy um, being the strategic uh, enablers that we should be to help the WHO and its partners and its uh, clients. And the clients are everybody um, achieve its goals. So then we can structure how we go about that. But uh, that's, that's the role. I am, I am leading the, uh, the IT uh, uh, platoon uh, worldwide to uh, make sure that uh, we do that right. So then I'm sure you'll ask me what it entails to be a strategic enabler, how you do that, and what kind of things do we need to, to transform or support or enable. And, uh, yeah, usual stuff, you know, ERPs, uh, infrastructure, but um, then it goes into cybersecurity with a twist. We'll get into the twist. The natural business process support, except that your business process, uh, your business processes in, in this sector are slightly different from the one you would expect in, in, in the private sector, but your discipline still applies. Um, information management, business intelligence, but also uh, proactive BI, uh, predictive BI, and uh, what I call uh, correlation engines. And of course, uh, you know, when you get lost somewhere and when you get thrown into a hurricane of uh, unknown things, your, uh, your lifeline is the stuff you've, you've been trained with, your, uh, your, the discipline of getting things done, your PMO, the, the management of the triple constraint, your natural ability to be a business process mapper and things like that. And they come very handy, especially under pressure of a grade three emergency, whether it's, uh, you know, Ebola, Zika or something else. 
So, so you are providing the infrastructure for your offices around the world to conduct their daily business. But at the same time, when you have these outbreaks, you're providing the infrastructure that enables them to communicate, to collaborate, to analyze the data and perform all the other functions and so forth. That's the idea. The organization, the, idea. the organization has been around since 1948. And the, obviously, for, for any organization to be in business for so long, there, it must go through a constant evolution change to remain relevant. And so would you tell us, tell us how the WHO manages to stay relevant over all these many years? I'm going to cheat a little bit because um, somebody else uh, summarized it better than, than I could. Um, we had the visit of uh, uh, Angela Merkel uh, during the, the World Health Assembly a couple of years ago. And she said, WHO is the only international organization that has universal political legitimacy on global health issues. And that alone explains why we we don't have much choice i mean we we have to stay relevant because because that's that's our mandate to uh, to pursue those goals we have partners we'll get, we'll get back to this but those partners cannot get everywhere they need to to be and um i think that uh uh angela merkel was uh, was absolutely correct and the reason why she chose to say it like that is to convince our member states, uh, all these uh, 194 uh, countries that, that constitute our, uh, our governance, um, that we have to be given the means to, do, uh, uh, to, to achieve our, our goals. And we stay relevant um, because the alternative is unthinkable. The alternative being that there is no central worldwide organization to manage or coordinate the outbreak of, of these various diseases that, that you look at. Yes. I mean, if you go back to, uh, you know, uh, I don't think anybody anywhere, and certainly not in, in our organization, is going to say we're always right, we're always perfect. And uh, so, no, but I can tell you that if our director general, uh, Margaret Chan, had not... Uh, uh, called upon the, um, uh, the Security Council at the time to uh, to to trigger the, the 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 global reaction that we got. Uh, the world would have been in a in a much worse shape. Uh, we can certainly be uh, criticized for hey maybe you should have done it earlier or stronger or faster. Sure, sure, sure. But the organization uh, faced its uh, its its challenges to to help. Uh, get this, um, uh, this crisis under control. When you joined uh, two years ago, I'm sure that the organization, that from a, te from a technology perspective and an IT perspective, you've been pushing through various types of transformations. And so what are the, what are the innovations, transformations? What, are you, what have you done and what is your agenda going forward, I realize it's a, it's a very broad question, but what are the things that, that, that you've done and that you're 
working on to change the shape of how technology supports the mission of the World Health Organization? <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm going to start, so I'm going to answer your question, but um, two things. First, when I, when I joined, um, uh, Margaret Chan gave me a few, uh, a few words of advice and, and they said, you know, uh, we're, we're not unlike uh, a lot of the organizations maybe you, you work for, uh, people don't like change. And she told me, but, and, and, and doctors don't like change either. And, and they know everything. So uh, I, I heard something like that with engineers about IT in another company, in another life. But so she, she, she told me that I would have to um, have, uh, you know, uh, stamina, persistence, and that uh, change is, is a constant uh, requirement. So she, she, knew, she knew it would be tough. And then somebody else asked me the difference between, you know, what is, so what is good leadership in a political environment? And it, it's, it's a tough question. And I think for me, at least the, the answer had to be, um, make sure you know the difference between what ought to be and what can be. And then pick your battles and then go after the stuff that you know you can do. So now back to your question. Um, I decided to split the, um, the problem into uh, key result areas the way I know. So smart infrastructure, uh, cybersecurity. Cloud computing and cybersecurity. I'll get back to that in a second. Business processes, business process support, and information management. So these are these are the zones where I thought we need to make an impact, a structured impact. And in order to do that, of course, you need to have your your architect, your uh, your infrastructure, but you need to have your uh, your army of project managers. I'll go back to that. For me, the, the discipline of getting things done, the PMO, without a PMO, you, you, will, not, you will not get there. So um, my boss asked me to take the lead into what we call uh, our li little lingo here is, you know, our ERP, we call that the GSM. Um, okay, I'm supposed to remember what GSM stands for, but I don't. So uh, it's our global uh, management system. But I think GMS was taken, so we called it GSM, something like that. Forget that. So we have we have an ERP, and we had to uh, we had to accelerate, intensify, and accelerate calendar of deliverables for the um, the corporate business process uh, transformation, HR, finance, things like that. And uh, it was given to me. And the way the way I'm, I'm I was trained, usually it's not the CIO that does that. It's you've got a business exec and then your partners or she partners with the CIO and together they do something. But, but here I, I was asked to uh, to be the, uh, the, the the change agent and the, the leader for this uh, GSM transformation for for a reason. So it starts with having because we are. A, we are a complex organization with different regions and different needs, but we have to identify the things that uh, bring <clears throat> bring us together. 
so the uh, the usual corporate shared services, uh, as I said, HR, finance, inventories, things like that. Because some of the challenges that you face when you have a grade three emergency, suddenly we say, okay, boom, I need to I need to have two thousand people over there within very fast within a few months. So you your corporate processes have to allow you to uh, find the right people, find the right skills, and the rostering of skills, recruit, onboard, dispatch, manage, bring back, and do again. So this sounds like trivial. It's not. So same thing with uh, managing your supplies, your vaccines, your uh, your boots, your gallons of disinfectants, your uh, you know everything you need to respond to an emergency. So transformation starts there for me. That was year one. And then you start into the um, cybersecurity. I mean, you tell me when you want me to stop because it's a. But uh, well, it's it's pretty interesting. And and right behind you, there is a a photograph of looks like a the WHO the WHO emergency digital platform and maybe you can explain what what that is yes uh in in fact uh when when you do your due diligence um and you say okay i i think i'm beginning to understand what the problem is uh, the problem we all face and and, uh, and you cannot think of yourself as an it guy you're not the it guy you, you and so don't forget the acronyms. You you can you can think you're the chief process officer or the chief. Forget that. You're you're a, a, an executive in a new environment. It just so happens that you know your IT uh, weapons pretty well. But how do you bring them to play uh, and help you know everyone? So uh, in the process of identifying my my partners. Um, my uh, my boss told me you you should probably talk to okay you got the Red Cross you've got UNICEF you've got I mean a number of other UN agencies that are natural partners the World Food Program um, and then of course there's the CDC so and when we say the CDC we think of uh, uh, Atlanta but there's there's the CDC and then there's the European CDC the Chinese CDC there so. And I thought I would go visit my uh, my brothers in uh, in the U.S. Uh, on at the CDC. I wanted to know, you know, what they have, what they do, uh, what what do we share, uh, what do we have in common. So I I went there, and so there was there was good news, more good news, and, and then a plan, which you saw behind me, which is the visualization of our command center. So so I went to visit there. I saw the the plateau with you know people watching the hurricanes forming, watching the uh, cholera outbreak, watching the Ebola in West Africa, watching, you know, they, they are divided by, you know, uh, by SWAT teams per, per topic. Uh, and I, I thought that was very refreshing and reassuring that, that some of that was already in place. And then it hit me that this is good, might not be good enough, uh, and, and by the way, uh, they, they don't think they're good enough either. They, they know better. So uh, I came back. And then um, uh, my director general, Margaret Chan, said, okay, so 
what did you see? Uh, what have you learned? And uh, so I started to tell her and she said, but shoot me a video of what the future should look like. And I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> this is the first time my, uh, my CEOs, if I may say, would, would say it like that. And I said, okay, she said, Mark, you need to synthesize that in like a three, four minutes video that shows what we can do. Not vaporware, not science fiction stuff that you know we can do with technology. Show me. Okay. So I, I went back to, you know, my awesome team and uh, they said, yep, okay, let's get cranking. And we, we shot that, uh, that video of the, the, the shared command center of tomorrow. And tomorrow doesn't have to be neither in three years nor a galactic enterprise. It's something that we know we can put together and share with all our partners inside WHO and outside WHO. And so, and that's, so, so in that command, so what are the components of, a, of the command center that you would use to manage uh, a major global health crisis? So if you look to uh, this side here, you, uh, you can see, um, well, you have, you have maps to my right. And then you have uh, supplies, you have, so the idea is whether it's tactile or not, you know, is to say, I want to, I want to see all my warehouses worldwide. I want to see how many uh, of that item I have left there. Uh, and please superimpose all the water points here and tell me how many medical centers I have in a radius of uh, to 25 miles. Or uh, tell me uh, how many, uh, uh, you know, uh, white helmets are here, and and so you you have the streams from the uh, meteor center. You have the uh, the maps that you can superimpose. You've got all the infrastructure information and all that at your fingertips in near real time. And where does this? this uh, I was going to say, where does this uh, data? come from? I mean, it's extraordinary. You're collecting data from around the world. So, so where is that data coming from? Well, your natural partners, uh, for example, if, uh, if the World Food Program uh, is in charge of making sure that uh, supplies, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, milk or uh, uh, beans or whatever uh, supplies they need to deliver in particular tough places in the world, um, in, the, in the mature command center of, uh, of the 21st century that we need, every relevant player feeds into your, uh, your visual uh, command center. And by the way, don't, don't think for a second that, oh, we're done, it's finished, it's over, we have everything. No, you've got, you've got feeds from, um, uh, from social media that we can use. You've got the, the uh, Meteo Center. We want to know if it's going to if there's going to be a, uh, a very bad uh, weather condition in a, in a zone where we need to intervene, uh, and if it has a correlation on um, the spread of a particular uh, uh, virus or you know things like that. So this, I would argue, and I know it's going to be a controversial statement, but I, I don't think anyone has such a complete uh, command center today. And it has to be a command center and it has to be a shared command center within regions, um, but, but also uh, 
for the partners, member states that, that need to access. Different roles and responsibilities during Ebola, for example, some, some people, I mean, you had particular people with different roles, some about the vaccine, some about the contact tracing. We need to know who's been infected, who did that person, um, you know, who did that person talk to or touch or uh, possibly, uh, you know, uh, contaminated, it's called contact tracing. And, and you need to report back. Uh, the uh, even the burials of uh, uh, of people we, we needed to uh, to have better information on this and uh, I think that uh, we all know and we all acknowledge because we are all reasonable people that that during Ebola um, it was not it's the same thing when we do a disaster recovery in IT right uh, then we do a postmortem we say like okay what didn't work what must we improve in our process? And um, so what we saw on the command center is we, we know we, we need this. We need better, better uh, GIS, uh, geospatial information systems, and um, better business intelligence, better reports, faster reports, more accurate reports. We don't want to discover that something happened, you know, three weeks in the past. We want to know it happened two hours ago. And when I say two hours, you know, some people say, why two hours? Well, because two hours would be actually pretty damn good. We, we have a couple of questions from Twitter. And the first one, Arsalan Khan is saying that the U.S. has developed or is creating a federal healthcare architecture. And is there something similar or even bigger that some analog that uh, the World Health organization is working on well okay um, I'm, I'm not I'm not the um, the authority in that uh, in that zone but I'll tell you that the uh, international framework uh, exists uh, you've, you've got IHR uh, and a few other uh, frameworks that uh, in, in which we uh, WHO is extremely active leading some, uh, building on some others. And, uh, this is, we don't reinvent the wheel. So, um, this, this is, these are, uh, these are mature, uh, frameworks, uh, at play. So I don't think you're going to find out that there are things that don't talk to one another between, uh, you know, uh, the United States or even one state in the United States and then Europe. And, um, we're not completely there all the time, but uh, these are things very international. And and along those lines, Chris Peterson asks from Twitter, so as an international organization, are you having to deal with hundreds of countries' unique, different data rules? Different data rules. Uh, I think uh, I think what he's talking about is... As you are collecting these data feeds, some and, and I'm assuming that this data, some of many of these feeds are originating in in remote locations. What are some of the constraints that you have to be thinking about as you're collecting all of this massive amount of data? Well, first of all, it's a it's a moving target, but we have. A WHO uh, country office in uh, over 150 places 
50 countries. So when we when we ask for what we call a sitrep, a situation report, it is a, it, it is a standard thing. Now, maybe not as standard as you would want as an IT professional when you exchange electronic files. Um, and in fact, uh, depending on where it is, the way it reaches you, it reaches you is, is not the same. But uh, the struggle for us is is less in the standard uh, formatting of uh, of the information, and more in the speed or the means required infrastructure wise, um, which is also in, in the frame of IHR to make sure that uh, if you're in a place where you know you're not as lucky as here where you've got Wi-Fi and high-speed, uh, you know, bandwidth. Um, remember, when the information comes, it's, it comes from the field, goes to from, from, from place to village, from village to district, from district to country, from country to region, from region to... So the, the way you get back all your information into what you hope to be a single point of truth, uh, that's, that's the thing we have to improve. More, more than the... Uh, agreeing on um, the vital information or the minimum information that must be uh, transmitted from A to B. And so how do you, what is your plan or what are the things that you're doing in order to collect this data rapidly and overcome these, these challenges that you were just describing? Well, first of all, uh, as part of the, uh, the transformation, remember the, uh, if you if you ask me, okay, the vision for IT, the mission of IT, the strategy, the battles that we choose to fight, and the tactics, you know, the means we commit to the battles, I would tell you that to be strategic enablers, um, we need to be with the business. The the reform of WHO includes. Um, before Ebola, we had we had two <coughs> business units. Um, I'm sorry to call them that, but uh, um, one for humanitarian, the other one for pandemic. And we realized that, uh, in fact, there was an executive decision strong of what we had learned, uh, and we believed that we'd be stronger to merge and to have uh, the uh, WHO. Uh, uh, health emergencies. So uh, we we have now this this merged business unit called WHE, and uh, we have a new uh, executive uh, that joined us this summer. And we are going to uh, we are going to continue our action to support the uh, the emergency uh, business unit on. Okay, they, they prioritize. Uh, the, the key processes they want to see improved. They, you can bet that they are extremely interested in, in enabling uh, as good of a command center as we can have uh, the, as fast as possible. They are very pragmatic people, so they, uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a beauty contest or uh, having the most elegant uh, uh, you know, LED screen. It's about being able to do the work they need to be able to do fast, so better, faster. Uh, so that's that's what we're working on. That's for the uh, that's for the emergencies. But WHO is is uh, bigger than just emergencies. So we have um, we have other uh, goals in the in the goal uh, in, in the sustainable development goals. Um, so let's not forget 
that uh, other uh, business execs are uh, in in our enterprise. They are called um, ADGs, uh, assistant director generals. And uh, you've got uh, emergency. We talked about it. We've, but we we have the other business units on. Uh, um, uh, communicable disease, non-communicable disease, uh, family, women, children, and and others. So we need to understand their goals and find a way to help them achieve their goals. As part of that transformation, in the category, remember I talked about the four buckets, smart infra, uh, cybersecurity, business process support. There's the IM, the information management reform, understanding what what are the information assets we have in the World Health Organization, including, uh, including one that I, I, I like uh, a, a lot, which is the Global Health Observatory, and um, where we, we get information from, um, from countries uh, on all dimensions of health. That's a good base, but we want to go beyond collecting what happened last year we want to know what happens now and what is likely to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the next frontier. What about what about uh, cybersecurity? I know that is an extremely important topic for you, as for many organizations. But you're so distributed in 150 different countries that I can't even imagine how you how do you how do you deal with that? It's got to be overwhelming. It can be. You've got. It depends what you're trying to uh, to resolve or to protect against. So uh, privacy is important to us. Um, security, of course. I can tell you that um, two years ago, when when I started to talk about cloud computing, uh, I, I saw some uh, some some smiles, some funny smiles. Like, uh, so I hear that uh, you think we're going to do cloud computing. Um, and I, I could not understand why, why the, uh, the skepticism or the irony. Or, uh, and uh, I, I realized pretty quickly that uh, talking to some of my uh, internal partners, who, by the way, at the time were not necessarily um, natural partners. They were more like, no, we... We're not going to do cloud computing. It's not possible. So what do you mean? Why are we not to do cloud computing? Cloud computing is not just something to save money, something to enable speed. It's something so it's a, we're going to cut ourselves from a lot of opportunities if we do that. And I said, well, rather than telling me that it's not possible, why don't you explain to me the things that we must overcome for you to find cloud computing acceptable? Because you shouldn't care how, where I do it, but you do. So what's the problem? And I was explaining to like, look, when you were in San Francisco, okay, you were US Gov, so you had to make sure that the cloud is government class cloud. And actually we were probably one of the first cities in the US to have a government class cloud with everybody in there. So great. Well, here it's, it's not, you know, French Gov or US Gov or whatever Gov, it's an international um, enterprise and uh, we have diplomatic immunities that must be preserved and protected. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So we, we, so I said, 
but you know, if we go to the cloud, uh, we will be encrypted. Yes, but you will be encrypted, but you don't own the keys. The keys are owned by the cloud owner, whether it's you know Google, Microsoft, uh, whatever cloud you choose. And uh, that means that uh, if they if they are under subpoena to uh, provide data, uh, they have to execute themselves. And as you know, if you read the press, that it has there was an appeal by Microsoft in Ireland and another one in you know uh, Google. And so so I said, wait, what if what if I uh, enable um, encryption with me WHO owning the keys? Would that be okay? And I said, yeah. Can can you do that? Yes, I, we we can do that. By the way, we've done that, and uh, we uh, we are the first. I think no, we are the first UN uh, agency to have gone in the cloud, fully encrypted, both in uh, the cloud by the cloud vendor, which is great, and on top of that, encrypted by us with proprietary keys. Mm. So problem problem resolved. Uh, and the internal uh, people that were in charge of making sure we protect this are now natural business partners. And they said, okay, well, those guys are really enablers. And uh, now we, we're in the cloud. We're in the cloud on ServiceNow. We're in the cloud on, uh, on our uh, human resource platform for rostering, onboarding, and recruiting. And also, um, I'm forgetting a couple, but okay, it's done. And O365, of course, in, in the cloud also encrypted. So uh, it's uh, it's, cre it's creating some vocations uh, in, in other agencies and also in uh, in other organizations, um, and it's good. So it's it's one challenge. Uh, if you if anything, you know the uh, the breach, the the hacking uh, that we've seen, whether in, uh, in Yahoo or even in uh, in, in US Gov or uh, this has been the decade of. Uh, of uh, hackers uh, and wake-up calls for uh, for CISOs and CIOs around the world, it is it is a severe concern for all of us, and uh, it's not going to disappear anytime soon. We have to make sure that we have uh, information classification done well. We need to identify the uh, the assets. You know what's public, what's uh, restricted uh, internal, uh, what's uh, what's trade secret or uh, diplomatic uh, protected things like that. But we haven't found a problem that we could not resolve for now. So you have, you have not been hit, hopefully not yet, with a, with a major data breach. So, so far what you've done has worked. <sighs> uh, <laughs> maybe. No, I think the, more than saying this, I think that what's important is... Uh, um, it was it was more enabling us to go to the cloud in with all reasonable measures of protection uh look i'm not naive if if it is possible to hack into a, a federal uh databases uh, uh and steal my biometrics uh, somewhere in uh washington dc I, I don't see uh i don't see why it wouldn't be possible to breach uh, something else so I, I don't have the arrogance to believe that we are bulletproof. Uh, I was just using that example to say that when you discuss with your business partners internally, 
um, there are there are solutions innovation in that case for us it was a, a new software platform to to keep our keys and to encrypt which by the way is is, is not trivial you need to understand what you're doing there, there are some tricks in encryption well it, i will say that it amazes me when cios of even smaller organizations say oh we don't trust the cloud because you know we can do a better job with security a better job than the major vendors and it's, it just seems impossible to me for a small for a small organ for almost for an organization of almost any size except maybe the very largest organizations in the world the cloud vendors are going to do a better job with security uh, no i believe that uh, i think you're right i think that uh, it's a condition of uh, of business the the cloud uh, the cloud providers um are very very well equipped, and I think they are in the better position to to uh, to provide security. And and yet, you know, and still, they will be hacked in some ways. So we have just a couple of minutes left, and so very quickly, what is on your radar as as the next big things that you're focused on? Just just very quickly, because we have only a few minutes left. Well, for, for me, for me, there's no, uh, there's no doubt that, um, you know, infrastructure, whether it's the, um, your ground, your, your network, your, your servers, whether you do, uh, insourcing, outsourcing, cloud, no cloud, doesn't matter. Infrastructure is supposed to be under control. Your business processes, you need to be smart. Your business people have to be smart. Uh, you need to be good at business process mapping and in Six Sigma and, you know, improving the yield of your processes, been there, done that. Okay. Okay, cybersecurity is a, is a curveball at you, so just deal with it and just, uh, if you don't have a CISO, get one, get a good one, get a team, get some means and, you know, get cranking. So what's next? You've got smart infrastructure, you've got smart processes. So for me, the next big thing has to be in the category of information management. Uh, you see, I can tell you, dear CEO, dear board, you see, we, we've, we've sold so much of this, our profit margin was that, and blah, blah, blah. Boring. So in, in our business, I want to be able to say one day, you know, from what we've been able to analyze with our correlation engine, this one's a good one because that's innovation. Uh, we have a 0.87 probability that there's going to be the next pandemic here on the map. Wow. Okay. Um, so between predictive analysis, so the advanced BI and the uh, the correlation analysis, that's that's where I put my money. Well. Figure speech. I, we are currently in discussions with some people that want to uh, that believe that this is true, and they believe it's closer than we think. So I said, "Fine, come on in. Water is fine. I'm going to throw a couple nasty ones at you and sh show me what your correlation engine can do." Uh, I can tell you that the uh, there's a there's a lady that uh, used that model, and she predicted. Um, the uh, cholera outbreak in Cuba two months before it happened. Now, using the same technique, we think we're able to 
the people we talked to were able to um, validate a model that took uh, uh, a medical uh, research team about two years to uh, conclude their their engine validated it within weeks now that gets me excited why because I, I don't know how many minutes we have but when when uh, in an interview um, in an interview last year uh, mr. Gates was asked you know he wants to know what scares him I mean what what is what is the thing he's afraid of? And uh, this this uh, in his this was a great interview with uh, Isaac Klein. He talked about the most predictable disaster in the history of the human race. So it's not an if we know we know it's going to happen. But when you look at the death chart, yes, there is such a thing. Then you you see um, you. See, so I don't know, Michael. What, what do you think is going to um, to kill? in excess of 10 million people within a year. Is it going to be, uh, you know, aliens, quakes, volcano? Um. Well, hmm. let's see. I really have no idea what could kill 10 million people in a year. You know, I guess we'd have to look back. Aliens is, is a good answer, I suppose. But uh, if we look back in the history of the U.S., we would we would probably be looking at some type of um, infectious disease, assuming it's not yeah. not an, an intentional act of war. Mm-hmm. So well, mm-hmm. well, okay. So uh, I mean, Mr. Gates was a bit optimistic in, in his, uh, you know, because he, but it, it was an educated answer. And if you look at history, what did kill millions of people? So if you look at the chart, you will find, you know, as as uh, Mr. Gates pointed, the. Uh, the blip in World War One, the 25 million people, okay, and then World War Two, mm-hmm. I mean, 65 million people, and in between, you had another one, one uh, with whom you cannot negotiate much. It's the Spanish flu virus that killed about, you know. Plus or minus 50 million, and that's the beauty of it. People cannot give you an exact number, but we we, we think uh, the latest uh, estimate were like uh, you know 65 to 100 million people. So some evolution of the flu virus. Well, that's that's a very upbeat way to end our show. And what's the likelihood of this happening? And I hope that you at the World Health Organization are going to help make sure that it doesn't happen. No, but uh, yes, that's uh, that's the idea. Uh, that's that's what we that's what everybody uh, works uh, to to prevent or at least to to be better prepared. Uh, I, I like to say when 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 I see turf wars or uh, silo thinking, uh, I usually tell people remember to not forget why we work together or what it takes to prevent the next pandemic. We work together because should a Spanish flu virus be unleashed on the modern world, remember the last Spanish flu was 1918. But if you if you saw something like that with as nasty a strain um, on the modern world, the mathematical model funded by Mr. Gates, his foundation, shows that we would see about, you know, the range of 33 million people die within 250 days. 
Well, now if this if this doesn't get your attention, if the, if doesn't if this doesn't want you, if it doesn't make you want to, you know, forget your badge, you know, forget your brand, and say, okay, I'm in, then I'm I'm not too sure what will, because that's that's the real no flags, no boundaries, no political blah blah blah. This is humanity and the threat for our global population. That's I, I think that's uh, that's the the real uh, inspiring um, reason why we should all work together to be pre- better prepared. Well, thank you, Mark Tuitu, the Chief Information Officer for the World Health Organization, for spending the time with us today and for really presenting maybe the most compelling case there is for putting aside petty differences and remembering the the mission of whatever organization it is that we're working with and focusing on the goal as opposed to all of these all of these little differences that we might have. Mark Tuitu, thank you so much. Thank you. We have been talking with Mark Tuitu, the CIO for the World Health Organization, on episode number 197 of CXO Talk. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will look forward to seeing you soon. Bye-bye.